God's Word. We'll be looking tonight in Psalm chapter 122, Psalms 122, and there's Bibles there in the chair back in front of you as well as the verse will be appearing on the screen. We'll be looking at Psalms 122 and verse number one. Those who are able will stand at this time for the reading of God's Word. Psalms 122, one says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let's and just very, very quickly, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the last part of it in just a moment. We've been talking about winning at what matters most, and Andy led us in the reading of, of David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We talked about church being a proper place for our possessions, for God's blessing, to give God the preeminence and to hear from Him. A place to remain, and that is to stay faithful. You know, I was thinking as uh, um, we were singing Haven of Rest tonight, my wife would remember this, maybe Amanda, I don't know. That was a kind of a go-to song for my mom when it came to specials. I can remember as a boy, my mom would sing that in church often. And um, I'm thankful that I'm in church tonight, and I realize that I owe a big debt to mom and dad. My dad told me, um, oh, it was, it, you know, the last few years that he was alive, he, he was, you know, he was battling Alzheimer's and dementia and so forth, and he didn't really know us. He, he remembered Tony. She was the last one that he remembered. And, uh, of course, that makes sense. She's the better half. But he remembered Tony. He, di- he didn't remember me, but he remembered her. But one of the times that I saw him when he was still cognizant, knew who he were, he was thanking me for staying in church and bringing the kids up in church. And I thought, well, you know, that's really because of him. You know, Paul said, I have no greater joy than to hear or to know that my children walk in the faith or walk in truth. And probably one of the greatest things that, that you can ever do for your parents, regardless of your age, is just stay faithful. Listen, if all you ever do in life is go to church faithfully, you're way up here in your walk with God. Doesn't mean you you do everything else right, but I mean, if you just stay faithful to church, it'll take care of a multitude of things in life. And so, we understand that it's a proper place to remain, a proper place to develop relationships. You know the story, I won't repeat it, but I saw my wife, I was in sixth grade, she was in fifth grade, and uh, we, we met at church. It's a good place to meet somebody is the house of God. Uh, She asked me to marry her, and the rest is history. Okay. And then uh, I I love this. I can come regardless of my condition. And we talked about those, the the publican. We talked about uh, Simeon and and so forth, and I won't won't belabor that. But it doesn't matter where you're at. You may may think, what am I even doing in church tonight? Hey, listen, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're at. If the dew of sin is fresh on your brow, you're welcome in the house of God. Then I can come knowing there is something for me because God speaks to me directly. God speaks to me deliberately, and that is with great clarity. Then God speaks to me decisively because every time I come to the house of God, God wants me to do something about it. And directionally, He lets me know that I know exactly what to do. Then we talked about I know I can worship the Lord in song. And uh, then I want to get to... To the, uh, to the last part, which is where we'll jump right in. And that is this. I know that church is good for me. It's good for me. 
First of all, it's good for me because of my salvation. Not everybody gets saved in church. You can get saved somebody knocking on your door. You can get saved listening to the radio. My dad got saved at Billy Graham Crusade. Uh, you can get saved uh, any place. Saul got knocked off his horse and got saved. Um, the woman taken in adultery, go thy way and sin no more. You can get saved just about anywhere as long as you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God is leading and drawing. You'll never get it saved on your timeline. It'll always be on His. But I understand this about church. It's a good place for salvation. Most people, not, not all, but most people you ever run into, it was a revival service. It was a Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, you sing the songs, uh, it was on a Sunday, so on. It was on a Monday, and somebody touched me. And how many of you know that song? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, most of you. And uh, it, it's identifying the day the Lord saved you. And the overwhelming percentage of people it was on, uh, on a Sunday or a church night uh, when God spoke to them. So the first thing that I understand it is a good thing for me in regards to my salvation. I won't spend a lot of time on that one, but on this I would. I know it is good for me because it comes with correction. I believe with all of my heart that God always has something for everybody that comes to His house. Sometimes this is one of the stingers. It's one of the ones that we don't readily accept because nobody likes to be told they're wrong. That's that's human nature. Nobody wants to be told that, hey, you need to address this. You need to adjust this. You need to fix this. You need to make this change. We typically resist that. Um, and, And by the way, when you do that, you kind of put a cap on your progress in life. If you're, at, if you're at your workplace and a superior comes up to you and tells you, hey, you need to do this this way, and you resist, you've kind of capped your advancement in that company. When, you, when he says, you know, hey, this is how we do it, or she says, this is, this is, how we need to, this is what you need to do going forward. And if, even if you give the assent verbally, but boy, you, you stiff up and it's very clear, I'm going to do it my way. Pretty much, you can write down that day as the day that your advancement in that company slowed, if not halted altogether. And when it comes to the Christian life, uh, most of us have been at it long enough to where we've heard God speak to us very clearly about things. We already talked about that. He speaks decisively and directionally and deliberately and directly and all of those different things. But when you come to church, understand this and come with a heart that's ready to receive. The Bible tells us, and uh, I think we mentioned the verse uh, two weeks ago, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, wisest man that ever lived, Solomon. Now, remember, he wrote three books. Uh, He wrote uh, Song of Solomon in his youth. He wrote Proverbs in his middle years, and he wrote Ecclesiastes towards the end of his life. But he says this, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. But I really want to focus on the center part of that verse, be more ready to hear. You see, some people can't be taught. They can't be instructed. The, the Bible says, a scorner heareth not rebuke. You ever met somebody who knew everything, and so you could never help them anyway? They have an answer for everything. They have an excuse for everything. And no matter how you try to teach them about something, it just, they, just, they just can't be taught. And, and, and by the way, when you come to the house of God, each and every one of us, you know, several people this morning said to me, boy, that was just for me. And I was thinking, well, the Lord really used that for me. I mean, that, the message this morning was a help to me. And I hope it was a help to you as well. But my point is, when you come to God's house, Be ready for God to bring correction, because nobody here tonight has it all figured out. None of us do. 
we're all works in progress. And so when God begins to correct me and God begins to rebuke me, I've got to say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth, or I fasten and stiffen my neck. The Bible says, he that regardeth not reproof shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. In other words, when you, when you say, I'm, I'm not listening, I'm not paying attention, and it doesn't matter what God says, I'm going to do my, I'm going to do my own thing. It's like Jonah. Jonah was continually reminded, don't, don't go there. But he continued to go down, and he compounded every decision with another bad decision, another bad decision, another bad decision, and God made a fish with his name on it. That's exactly what he did. And so when you come to the place in your Christian life, be very, very careful about this. Know that it's good for you because it is a place where you get corrected. If you're looking for a church that makes you feel good about what you're doing, you're not really looking for a church. Because if you want God to speak to you, you've got to be willing to say, hey, Lord, help me when I'm wrong. And let me hear it when I'm wrong. And by the way, easiest messages to preach are always those that are, that are loving and kind and, and all of those. Those are, those are very easy to preach. But even in the midst of those, sometimes God can take a word and a thought and the Holy Spirit can begin to work on your heart in a very different way. And if it is correction, don't resist it. Don't be reluctant to receive it. Be ready to receive it. Be thou more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. So we know that it's good for me in regards to salvation. It's good for me in regards to correction. Then thirdly, it's good for me in terms of instruction, and that is teaching. God, teach me. Don't ever get to the place where you think you know it all already. Or don't ever get to the place where you think, thank you, Lord, for saving me. I've referenced this often. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, but I'm good, and I'll take it from here. Because when you head down that road, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for trouble. It is that same attitude where I can't be taught, I can't be instructed. Um, I've taught for a number of years. My wife is now in her, I won't say how many, but she's been teaching for a while. Uh, because she started teaching very young. My wife, is a, is, she's a great teacher. And she and I have talked about this before, but it's, it's, it's awesome. When, some of you that have had her in class, would you say she's a great teacher? Julia, would you say that? Kylie, see, they're smiling. Um, and others, I know. But the, it, it is such a delight when you are teaching a student and the light clicks on and they are hanging on to everything. Why do you think God feels when he brings instruction into your life? And he shows you something. It, it might be through the reading of the, God's Word on your own. It could be through a Sunday school lesson, a connection group meeting. It could be from some influence or something that you're reading. It could be from a service. It could be any number of things. But God shows you something. He says, I'm going to give you some instruction. I'm going to help you for this. I'm going to help you for that. And it may not be what you necessarily want to hear, but it is instruction. Boy, we're better off when we heed that. So I know it's good for me in regards to salvation in regards to uh, correction, in regards to instruction, and then fourthly, in regards to direction. Because what it does is it starts changing what I was doing and tells me I need to, I, I need to make this change. It's that uh, we use the old analogy of the GPS. And now, man, I remember when we had those GPSs that you would mount on the dash or wherever, and now those kind of gone because most people just use their phones for everything. But, but I remember... Uh, being lost a number of times, and I would, I would hit that thing, and I'd put in the address, and it'd tell me, hey, you need to go here. And I remember, uh, you know, not doing what it told me to do. 
And it always told me, recalculating. It'd show me a different route. And I remember driving to New York City, and, and I, I, nobody would let me get over. They were not being very nice. And uh, they were, several of them identified me as the number one driver, but they, were, they still were not letting me get over. And, and so here I was, and I missed my turn. Some of you didn't even get that. That's okay. But so I, I, I missed the turn. And boy, when you're in New York, New York City, and you can't get off the freeway, and it's just bumper to bumper, and you miss that turn, it might be a while before you get an opportunity to, to fix your wrong. But as soon as, as soon as that happened, the, I watched the thing, and you know, I started doing that little spinning motion right in the very middle of the screen there, and then it came up, and it told me that I could still get to where I needed to go. It would cost me some time, but I could get there nonetheless. But I, the wonderful thing about this in terms of an analogy is it never yelled at me. It never fussed at me. It never told me, you're an idiot. You missed your turn. I told you, and you didn't listen. You're on your own. Good luck, dude. It never said that. If it did, I'd have tossed it out the window probably. But it was always this real nice lady's voice who would tell me, recalculating. And she spoke so kindly. And she, she never screamed, ran at a raven, and anything like that at all. And so I made the adjustment, and I did what she told me to do on the next one. You know, when you come to church, the Spirit of God doesn't rip your head off. Sometimes I think people are foolish and think, I'm not going to go back to church. Do you realize how, how loving and kind and gracious God is to us? I was talking with someone recently, and so, sometimes we have this, this conception of a God that's ready to squash us the moment we mess up. Or if that were the case, He would not have let the nation of Israel wander for 40 years. He'd have sunk them all in the Red Sea. I mean, it wasn't that God didn't know how it was going to turn out. He's not just sovereign, He's omniscient. And if He would have really wanted to get rid of them, He would have drowned them in that moment. But sometimes in life, we have that attitude and that idea about God. God loves you. (laughs) God will always love you. He doesn't condone sin. He doesn't excuse it. But God loves you. And so when God has given you instruction and God has given you direction, He does it in a way where He says, now listen, you may have lost some things because you didn't take the turn when you were supposed to. There may be some consequences and some, some adversity because of missing that. And when we, we were actually with a group of, uh, uh, group of high school uh, students on a senior trip, we were in New York City that time, I think it was, or, or it might have been a tour group, but, but we lost some time and didn't get to where we were supposed to be in a timely manner. And in life, the same thing is true. How many of us, and don't raise your hand on this, but could say, man, I wish I would have known then what I know now about this. I, I, I might have done this differently. Do you realize that that's what God tries to do in the heart of every believer every single day? It's not because He's trying to thwart your adventure. It's not because He's trying to keep you from having fun or enjoy life. It's because God is trying to protect you from those hazards along the road of life. And so when God gives you direction, understand that in church, when God is trying to change things and change the direction of our life, know that it is good for you. You know, I, I, I go to a doctor for whatever, whenever, whenever I need to, and I, I don't go often. My dad always said, stay away from hospitals. People die there. That's what my dad used to always say, and I know some of you work in the medical field and don't take that as an indictment against you, but my, my dad wouldn't go to the doctor for, for anything. He just didn't like to go. Some people go for everything, but my dad kind of shied away from them. And, but when I go, I don't sit there. I had an appointment this past week for, for this knee, trying a couple things, and, and I didn't sit there and say, nah, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, this guy's been to school. He's a 
He's an orthopedic surgeon, and he's, he's telling me, you know, we got this, and we got this option. These are a couple of things we could do. And I, I you know, I, a lot of people probably need this, but I know better. I mean, after all, I read an article on Wikipedia. I mean, I'm pretty scholarly, and it's, it's you know, factually based. No, I li- listen to the guy, and he says, well, you've got this, and he's showing you those images on the, of your MRI and ultrasound and all that. He's putting them up there. He said, well, this is this, and this is this, and I'm thinking, I don't think that's what you say it is. I think that is this. I'm not going to do that. If, the guy, if I did that, the guy's probably looking at me like, what are you thinking, man? Sometimes when we come to church, that's almost how we treat God. God's given us direction. You know, that's, that's probably true for most people. But I'm different. But I believe I'm the exception. And so when it comes to the house of God, I know that it's good for me in regards to salvation, correction, instruction, direction, and then fifthly, in regards to comfort. You know, one of the best things about the house of God is when you're going through a tough time. It's God's people. David knew that. David knew that it was a place where he could find refuge. I've said this. I've heard this said many times over the years. Without the house of God and the people of God, I don't know what people would do. I I remember many times over the year or so that Rebecca was in the hospital, how many times our room was flooded with people from church. And sometimes, literally, we had people stop who were pastors in the area who had just heard about us I'd never met in my life. And they said, hey, I heard you're a pastor. I know so-and-so who knows so-and-so who knows you. So we just wanted to come by, say hello, and have a word of prayer with you. Complete strangers, except for the one connection that we have in the bond of fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and other believers. You know, one of the best things about church is you. And it's the ability to provide comfort when you're going through tough times. On any given Sunday and on any given Thursday, somebody here is going through something. And God put you in a group. The world, and secularly and culturally speaking, they call it a support group. You know, they would ask us, I remember them asking my wife, do you all have a good support system? And I know they meant well, and they were trying to establish one if you didn't have one. I remember so many times we would, we would be in, in, in our room, and of course, Tony stayed with Rebecca every single day, but, but there would be a, people just coming every day. And I'd feel so terrible for sometimes seeing, seeing a neighbor someone in a hospital room, and nobody ever coming. Many times my wife and I would see those families and parents, and we'd talk to them in the waiting room and had an opportunity to present the gospel to many of them. And I, I remember that, but I thought, man, what would you miss by being out of church? And I'll tell you, one of the biggest things is it's a place where God can comfort you. Hey, let, let me say this. Do you realize that one of the reasons you go through what you go through is so you can be a comfort to someone who's going to go through what you're going through? One of the biggest reasons, whereby we may also comfort them. You see, sometimes you, we focus on our hurts, our wounds, and our wrongs, and all those different things, and we think, well, I can't believe this is happening to me. Hang on. It's not about you. What God is going to do is He's going to get you through it. And then there'll be someone that you will come in touch with, someone that God will bring across your path, and you'll be able to be a comfort to them. But if all we ever do is make the the problem and the trouble about us, we'll never be able to provide comfort to anybody else. And if we never allow God to give us comfort going through those things, we will never be able to provide comfort to someone else. You know, sometimes the Bible talks about, we use the example there of, of Israel, who he references as Rachel there in the Gospel of Matthew. 
during the uh, Herod's edict and the slaughter of the innocents. And the Bible says Rachel would not be comforted. There are sometimes people who, who go through something and they refuse to get past it. They refuse to get over it. And I'm not minimizing what it is. I'm just saying they're just there. And because they stay there, they never experience the comfort that God wants to get them through it with. And by that token, they will miss every opportunity to comfort someone who goes through that. Do you realize everybody in here is a a broken vessel that God has put back together? We're all stories of grace. We're all stories of God's mercy. And when you go through something, understand this. I was talking to Brother Sisk when he was here. And we were, I, I mentioned a missionary that he knew who had written a book. Um, and the title of the book is The uh, Suffering, The Saint's Highest Calling. And uh, the missionary's name is Randy Pike. And just, a, just a tragedy and hardship and difficulty. Went to the mission field for over 40 years on crutches. He was paralyzed for a period of his life as a, as a teenage boy, as a football player. And he traveled to South Africa and Australia and planted churches. He was the first Baptist missionary to Australia many, many years ago. But he wrote the book, The Saint's Highest Calling, Suffering. And he makes this statement in the book. He says, God never wastes human suffering. And so whatever you're going through, it's not about you. It's God doing something for the body of Christ, and he's wanting to use you to help accomplish it. You know, when you start to flip it and look at it that way, you think, God's wanting to use me for this. So I'm going to be able to help somebody because of this. And it changes our entire attitude towards whatever is going on in our life. Because church is one of the greatest places for you to find comfort for whatever you're going through. Because the Holy Spirit is there. And because other believers are there ready to give comfort. And I finish with this last one. I know it's good for me because it's helping trouble. Man, there's been a lot of times when I've come to the house of God in trouble. I like David's praying. David is a get to the point. David is, Lord, save me. I'm in trouble. Sometimes people can wax eloquent in their prayers. David doesn't often do that. Now, he can, and he boasts, and he'll take an entire psalm and do nothing but brag on God. You know, it's like Peter. Waves are crashing. He steps out on the water. He said, if, it, if it's you, Lord, I'm paraphrasing here, of course. He said, if it's you, bid me to come under the water. Jesus simply says, come. And he steps out, and he starts to sink. And as soon as he starts to sink, he doesn't go into great lengths of how God delivered the nation of Israel across the Red Sea. He doesn't talk about David's triumph over Goliath. He doesn't talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego surviving the fiery furnace. Daniel and the lion's den. All that, that's, that's wonderful. And there's nothing wrong with praying those things and reminding God about how good he is. And sometimes it's a good thing for us to brag on God. You know what Peter said? Help! That's not the exact word. Probably in the original language, that's about how it came out. Save me! And you know, sometimes in your prayer, you come to, house, you come to the house of God and you're so desperate for wherever you're at. And you simply say to the Lord, I'm in trouble. I've blown it. I've done wrong. Or maybe, maybe I'm just hurt. Maybe I'm just struggling. And I need you. 
A lot of places you can go for help, but there is no place like God's house. When you're in trouble, I always tell people this. Sometimes, sometimes I'll, have, uh, I'll visit someone. I can't think of anybody here in, in our area that has happened, but I can remember in the past, and they, they would say, well, I'm, I'm leaving church, or I'm getting out of church, and I've made that decision. But I always tell them this, no matter what happens in your life, know this, you're always welcome in God's house. I don't, I don't want anybody to ever think, hey, listen, I can never go back there. Really? You never want to feel that way about the house of God because it is a place to come when you're in trouble. David said, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord because I know it's good for me. And then finally, it is a place of fellowship. It's where God's people gather with God's people around the Lord Jesus Christ.